Well, good morning. I want to um, I want to thank the pastor for and all of you all for your kind words about my uh, retirement. Uh, it is June. Friday was my last working day. I'm officially retired July 1st, so uh, I'm still on the books for a little while, and then I joined the the world of the hello uh, pension goodbye attention. So um, I'm looking looking forward to it. No, listen. I, I um, it was it's nice to be honored. It is, and but you know during during the ceremony and I, what I've tried to do is somehow some way, and I shared that with when I gave my remarks. My my, my workplace wasn't a church, and I don't want to be I don't want to be evangelized to at work by whatever religion people believe in. I'm glad, I'm glad we live in a country where people are free to believe what they want. Okay, but um, somehow some way I hope that people saw Christ in me, and I think by some of the comments they have. And that's, that's what's really been important to me. I didn't wear it on my sleeve, but people knew what I believed because I lived it. And, you know, I, I made two commitments to myself um, early in my career because I kind of see, I saw a little bit about what that job did to people. I, I made two commitments to myself, and I stayed true to those, is that I wouldn't leave bitter. I've seen a lot of people leave that profession bitter for whatever reason, and, and I didn't let that happen, and God helped me with that. And I wouldn't let it um, make me hate my fellow man. And because it's so many issues and so many things that you deal with all the time. People believe different you on a variety of issues. And it's gotten so nasty lately uh, that it can make you embittered towards your fellow man. And I, I made that commitment myself and, and, and I stayed true to that primarily because of my faith in the Lord and what his word says about people. And I had to stay true to that. And I want to thank Pastor Don and Sister Carol uh, for coming. I want to thank them for their leadership. Uh, Pastor Don has helped me grow material, uh, spiritually more than anyone else. It started under Pastor um, Ellis at Evangel Assembly, and then when I came here, Pastor Don has, has been a, a big help to me spiritually, and I want to thank him. And this church, you have helped help uh, guide me in my walk with the Lord and, and, and help me raise my family and my boys. And I just want to thank you for your faithfulness to Bethel Christian Center. So uh, it's a good thing that... Um, Little Alex isn't in here anymore. It's a good thing he went off to Children's Church, by the way, because I saw him at, uh, in the bathroom, and he said, what's that thing on your shirt? And I said, well, that's my microphone. He said, why you got a microphone on? I said, well, I'm preaching this morning. He said, no, you preach bad. And I said, uh, I said okay. I said, then I'm going to let you do it. No. I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to have you do it. So I think he was scared that I was going to call him up here. And if he was in here, I probably would. So hopefully I won't preach bad. Um, <laughs> I want to share something with you this morning. It's kind of fitting for where I'm at in life and maybe where you are. And just out of curiosity, how many of you here are still working or still out in the workforce getting it done every day? Okay, good. That's good. I'm not with you anymore. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not there anymore. How, how many of you are out maybe living on your Social Security, your pensions and those things you've worked for? To some, All right, so I'm, I'm with you. I like that. I, I like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I would imagine that when you first started into your career, that one of the things you wanted to know is, what is the benefits? What does this thing offer me? Yes? I would imagine one of the first things you want to know is, how much money am I going to make? What's my salary going to be? How much am I going to make? But also, you might want to know, look, does this include health care? Health care is important. Health care is very important. Uh, is there a pension? What's the retirement system like? Is there a 401k match? What can I look forward to in the future? And other things go on, and some businesses offer insurance and things like that. And um, I will say to the young people sitting in here, 
teenagers, and of course, I, I don't know why I say that. They're all in Georgia. But uh, if you're starting a, out in a career, those benefits are very important. Sometimes later on in life, they can be almost as important as that salary. And we saw that a lot with young people coming through. They just didn't, they didn't see that. The city would send out something, say, this is your compensation based on your benefits package. How much you make, what we match on your retirement, and what we pay for your health care insurance. And it would be a much larger number than what they make. And they'd be like, ah, they would grumble. But as I got older, I was like, hmm, that's... That, in other words, for me to leave and go to work somewhere else, that's what I'd have to make as a minimum if I was going to work, work for myself. But that's commonly referred to as a benefits package. But here's the thing, church. No matter if you live to be 100 years old or older than that, those benefits are going to end. There's going to come a time when the salary's going to stop, the pension's going to stop. There's going to be some things that those things are going to end. But I want to talk this morning for a moment about a benefits package that will not end. I want to talk about an eternal benefits package. And it's found in Psalms 103, 1 through 5. David wrote this psalm. He said, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost beings. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And these are the eternal benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, I thank you for this day, God. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come up here, Lord, and stand before a holy God. And it was only made possible through and by the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that. Within myself, I'm not worthy to stand here. I'm only worthy by the worthiness that you've given me. And I pray your blessings on these words, God, that they won't be my words, Lord, that they'll be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those are eternal benefits. Those are things that will never end. And the first one, I want to look at the first one who says, who forgives all your sins. See, I don't think, church, that this one was by accident. I believe the Bible is divinely inspired. I believe it was written by men divinely inspired of God. I believe it's inerrant in all that it teaches and instructs. But I think it's up to us to dig in, to learn the deep truths, the eternal truths of God's Word. It's okay to sit down and read it. But we have to learn to study it. I love to hear Pastor Don preach, and he's been doing a great job. I mean, he's really been on fire lately. I love to hear people teach. You all know that I listen to a lot of teachers on the radio because I want to learn. But it's important that you get into God's Word yourself. I've said this many times before. Nothing has transformed my life more than my decision to start studying and reading God's Word for myself and dig in. Because there's spiritual truths written in, that, written in there. You can read God's Word many times and get something different out of a passage that you've read many, many times. I want to read something that uh, was in the, this, this uh, quarter's devotion that I thought really illustrated this. And the title was Bible Study, Make It Personal. And it comes out of Mark 4.24, out of the Amplified. And it says, Martin Luther said, studying the Bible is like picking apples. First you shake the trunk, then you shake the limb, then you shake the branch, then you shake the twig, then you look under every leaf. There's no other book in the world like it. You can read the same Bible verse a a dozen times and get a dozen different insights. That's because it's God-breathed. Here's what Jesus said about studying God's Word. Things are hidden temporarily only as a means of revelation. For there is nothing hidden except to be revealed, nor is anything temporarily kept secret except in order that it might be made known. 
Then he adds, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more will be given to you who hear. Do you want to grow spiritually, build better relationships, succeed in your career, conquer anxiety and find peace, break a bad habit, be healed from emotional wounds of the past, then mediate on, ponder, think about, practice mentally and verbalize the word of God. Instead of living off someone else's spiritual insight, study God's word for yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to bless you with life-transforming insights. Jesus said, the Spirit takes my message and tells it to you. And you'll experience the truth of these words when you personalize the scripture you are reading. I couldn't have said that any better. So that, that, I don't think this was by accident. I don't think that, that King David mentioning this uh, forgiveness of sins was by accident. Because as you look at every one of these other benefits, who heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, and satisfies your life with good things, we have the ability, and I'm still, unfortunately, I think we do this all too often. We have the ability to look at those things more in a temporal sense than in a spiritual, eternal sense. I think this scripture right here is probably used a lot more because people are dealing with a sickness. Something's going bad in life. And they read this and they say, hey, they skip right over the, the forgiveness of sins. And they go right into the, well, heals my diseases, delivers my life from the pit, love and compassion. This gives me good things. And we kind of jump right over the forgiveness of sins. But church, there's no doubt about it. That is by far the most important benefit there. Everything else centers around that. The forgiveness of our sins. Jesus Christ came first to redeem mankind back to God. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He didn't come necessarily so that life would be good for me. He didn't come necessarily that I would have financial blessings. He didn't come for all the things that so many people and so many preachers and churches have made it today. He came for forgiveness of sin. That's, that's, that's really what he came for. And we seem to make that a byproduct in our blessed culture. I'm not really sure that we fully grasp that yet. And I say that for myself. I say that for myself at times. Listen to um, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a forerunner to Jesus. He came, said there's going to be a new kingdom, there's going to be a new way, there's going to be repentance. And he had been baptizing as such. And the Bible says in, in John 1.29, it says that the next day, this was the next day after John had been baptizing folks. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look what he said. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he said. He didn't say the Lamb of God who heals me. He didn't say the Lamb of God who blesses me. He didn't say the Lamb of God who's going to make my relationships better. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Personalize that for a minute. You know, as I read and studied this, I really personalized that. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away Larry Smith's sin. Because nothing else can do it. Nothing. Nothing. What, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And all those other things center around that. We should never forget that. You know, as I prepared this message, and I thought about what I was going to say as John the Baptist saw Jesus and what he said there, I was, for a moment, I had thought about saying, he didn't say, behold the Lamb of God who gives me my best life now. And that was going to be more of a jab at, at a, who I think is more of a motivational speaker who uses Scripture. But you know, as I thought about writing that and saying that, something dropped into my spirit. I said, you know, that's wrong. I shouldn't say that. Because when you come in right relationship with the God of heaven through Jesus Christ, you do have your best life. 
You'll have the best life you've ever had. When you come into right relationship, when your sins are forgiven, you will have the best life you've ever had. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And some, some uh, uh, interpretations say abundantly. But unfortunately, still, we live in a place when abundance, oh, okay, I know what that means. I'm going to skip right over that forgiveness of sin again, and I'm going to talk about abundance. I'm going to talk abundance of stuff and things and all these things that make life good. And I don't think that's what he was talking about. I think that when we live life abundantly, it's when we have peace with God. We have eternal, deep down peace with God through Jesus our Lord. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 reads like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with all thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we ever needed anything today, we need the peace of God. There's going to come a time. What what are you worried about, church? Where it says don't be anxious about anything, that's talking about worry. Now, I don't mind sharing with you. I'm a little bit of a worry. I worry about things sometimes. I let things get in my spirit and start worrying me. Silly things sometimes, but it happens to me. Well, what are you worried about? And that's just some things going on today. There's some things going on in our society I don't understand. I, I really don't understand how we got where we are politically, where everything is just personal attacks. I, I don't understand where we've gotten, how we've gotten where we are, where to me a terrorist can go in and shoot 49 of our citizens and, or kill 49 of them, shoot 50 more, and we can't even come together on a country and agree and stand up. I, I don't understand that. And there's going to be some things in your life and probably already is some things that's going on that you don't understand. I would assure Sister Carol don't understand what they're having to deal with right now. And I imagine there's been times in your life you just don't understand but that scripture says there comes something deep down inside of you when you're in right relationship with the Lord. There's going to come a point where that understanding is going to stop. There's going to come a point where you don't understand anymore. But something passes that understanding. Something goes beyond it. Something transcends it. And it will guard your heart. When you stand there and say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm dealing with this. But the peace of God starts to come over you. It starts to guard your heart. It starts to guard your mind. In Christ Jesus. And you can't, there's not enough money in the world, you can, anything in the world that you, can, that you can buy that. There's not nothing you would give for it if you've experienced it. And some of you have. And I don't know when I will. But you know, church, if I live long enough, I was talking to this friend of mine in the office, if I live long enough, we all live long enough, life's going to throw us some curveballs. And it's going to test you. And you're probably going to find out what you're grounded in. Whether you're grounded in life being good or you're grounded in Jesus Christ and the ever-changing hand of God and on what you believe. And, and that's, that's why that word is first. That's why the forgiveness of our sins is first. Not because, because it is the only one that we have absolutely no control over if we're looking at it purely in a temporal or carnal sense. As far as forgi- uh, healing, uh, healing our, uh, forgiving our diseases, only God can heal. But look, we can go to doctors, delivering our lives from the pit. We can make good decisions either in the pit or keep us from getting in the pit. But there is nothing, nothing, nothing that you can do to save yourself. There's only one way through eternal life, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. The next one is he heals all our diseases. 
Once again, I still think this is more about the sin sickness than it is the physical sickness. This scripture here is often used. It's found in Isaiah 53, 5. And it reads like this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And I think oftentimes we read this to folks when they're dealing with a physical ailment, as we should. Let me, let me preface what I'm going to say is this church believes in physical healing. At the end of this service, we'll open this altar up as we always do. And if you're in need of healing, we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to anoint your head with oil and we're going to pray for you and we're going to believe that God can heal you. Because we believe in that. But I still believe that the first sickness that this scripture is dealing with is a sin sickness. I think that was the first mission of Jesus our Lord was to come and deal with the sin sickness. And all too many times still we see people come into the church. We hadn't, they, they come in and, and, and we find out that they've gotten a bad doctor's report. Or something's happened with their job. Or something's going on with their children. There's a crisis in life and here they come and they need something from the Lord. And I, and I almost sound critical here, but we're going to pray for them. We're going to love them. But what we need them to know first is, and find out first, are your sins forgiven? That's the biggest concern. Because whether God heals you, whether He changes your circumstances, whether He changes whatever the situation is as far as your job, all those things are still temporal. But your soul is eternal. It's eternal. Those things are going to change. The circumstances are going to change. Things are going to come and go. But what is eternal is your relationship with Christ. And I'm not, I think it's important that we let folks know that. I think that was, I know that was Jesus' biggest concern. And I want to show you a couple of examples of that. I want to read Mark 2, 1 through 12. This is the story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. It says, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered him the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, What did he say? Son... Your sins are forgiven. He didn't say get up. He didn't say walk. That's not the first thing he said. That's not the first thing he dealt with. He said your sins are forgiven. Now, if you go on what happened there, some of the teachers and religious leaders of that day, they saw that and they went, they went B-shack. They're like, whoa, whoa, who is this guy? Nobody can forgive sins but God. And look at what he said to them. He said, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's what he wanted them to know. I have the authority to forgive sins. He didn't say, I have, he didn't say, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to make the lame walk and the blind to see and the dumb to hear. He did. He had all those and he used them. Well, he wanted them to know is he had authorities to forgive their sins. That's what's most important. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, he walked down in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have seen, we have never seen anything like this. 
Here's another one I think even illustrates that even more. This is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. Don't put that up yet, Tammy. Hold on. Pull that down. And um, I think there's some confirmation in this because Brother Dan taught Wednesday night and he used this, this same scripture and I told him that it was going to play into my message this morning. But this particular scripture is found, uh, Jesus has sent out 72 disciples. We think about the 12 disciples. There were his 12 inner circles disciples, but there was a lot of people that followed him when he was here. And he sent out 72 and he sends them out and he tells them this, I'm giving you authority to go out and to cast out demons and to heal people and to preach the uh, kingdom of God is near. So basically he said, I'm giving you this authority. You can cast out demons, you can heal people and let them know that repentance and the kingdom of God is here. Salvation is here. Same message is true today. Salvation is here. So he told him, he said, go out and he gave him specific instructions, told him what to do. He said, if people accept you, good. If they don't, dust your feet off and, and move on. Well, they come back and guess what's happened? It's happened. They've gone out and they've been putting their hands on people and demons have been uh, released out of folks and people have been healed and Miracles are happening. And as I, as I was studying this and putting this together, I thought, you know, think about that in today's sense. What if all of a sudden, and this could happen, the healing power of God fell in Beth- Bethel Christian Center, fell on Pastor Don, fell on the leadership, fell on you. If you're a believer, it can fall on you. And we were putting our hands on people, and people were being miraculously healed. People were being miraculously set free from drug addictions and many of the things that plagues people's lives. And it was going on and on for weeks and weeks and weeks. We would be sharing that all over Facebook. It would be all over everything. They'd be talking about it in California. You've seen those things where there's been revival breakouts where things are happening. And people talk about, have you heard about what's going on in West Virginia? Have you heard about the revival in Florida? Have you heard about this and you heard about that? And those things are good. I'm not, I'm not knocking those things. But what I wonder is, I wonder why we don't get quite as excited about that when we really think someone has turned their life over. When they've really accepted the Lord as their Savior. Now, I know there's a little bit of a difference in that because I know, folks, we can't see that. That's a spiritual, that's a supernatural act when that salvation comes in. And then we look for the fruit. We look for the root fruit that follows it. But I still think at times we kind of pass over that and move into these other things. But this is what Jesus said to them when they came back. And they were excited about that thing. Imagine, you would be. You've been out, you've been setting... Uh, running demons off. He'd been healing people. He came back and they were excited. And this is what he said to them in Luke 10, 18 through 20. He said, he replied, this is Jesus speaking, I saw hate Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I think to me that was compelling. He said, listen, I know all this stuff has happened. I know you've been healing people. I know demons have submitted to you. But don't you rejoice about that. You rejoice that your sins are forgiven. You rejoice that your life is written in the Lamb's book of life. And that to me said, that's what's most important. Let's make sure that that's what we're seeking first. Make sure that's what we're talking to people about first is their soul. Not their circumstances. Their soul and not their circumstances. He said this in Luke 15, 7. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Something happens in heaven, folks, when people genuinely repent of their sins. Something actually happens up there. And one day I'm going to see what it is. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be a part of it. And I found it interesting that I said that there's rejoicing over one who repents and 99 righteous people. Righteous. Righteous typically means good. You can be good. You can be a good person. But you must repent. You must, with a heart knowledge, accept what happened on the cross and repent. It doesn't matter how good you are. And I've, read, I've said you can read it. I read that scripture. I've read it many times. 99 righteous people. These weren't bad people. Jesus referred to These were good people. But it must repent. I had a, a real life illustration of this a few weeks ago. Um, we were down at uh, Myrtle Beach at Lakewood Family Campground. It's owned by a Christian family. And everything that goes on there in the, um, in the campground that's activities-based is gospel-centered. So they, they do a lot of kids' stuff. They have horseshoe terms. They just do a lot of things. And, and part of all that they do is share the gospel, share the gospel. We came in on the tail end of bike week, the Harley week. So thank goodness I was in the campground. Because you don't want to, if you ain't never been in there during either one of those bike weeks, you don't want to be there. Because there's motorcycles running everywhere. So, but what they had done, they did have some of the, the bikers staying in the campground because we saw them, um, they were leaving pretty much as we were coming in. But uh, during the church service, the pastor had noted that they had had a big pancake breakfast. And, and people are going to eat. I don't care, you know, who they are and, you know, what they believe. When you say, hey, we got pancakes and sausage, they're coming. And so they had a pancake breakfast for all of them. And I, I wasn't there. I'd love to be in because I'm quite sure that the bikers, I know for a fact, they had the gospel shared with them. But we were there, and they have a, they have a full-time ministry team. And they have a big amphitheater on the beach, and it's really neat to, to sit there and, and, and do the praise and worship and press. And behind you is just a big open area, and you're looking over the ocean. I mean, it's just something special about that. But this preacher, he preached a really good sermon. He did. Uh, he preached on hope. And he preached, he said, it's three, he, used, he used the scripture where Jesus healed the man with leprosy. And while he was doing that, by the way, I googled leprosy images. If you've never looked at what someone looked like in Jesus' day with leprosy, you should Google that. It is horrific. And that's why they had to shout unclean. They couldn't, no one could get near him. No one could touch him. But he healed a man with leprosy. And the Bible says that when he came to Jesus, he, his, his, he had a three-point message. He, got, he talked about the source of hope, which was Jesus. This, this leprosy, leprous man had to get to Jesus. He was his only source of hope. The position of hope because when he came to Jesus, he fell at his feet. That's the position of hope and the outcome of hope. He healed him. And it was, it was just, a, and he said he touched him. And you know, Jesus didn't have to touch him. How many times did he just speak the word? But, but leprous people couldn't be touched. And they certain, certainly couldn't be touched by a Jewish rabbi. If you go back to the Old Testament, that was against all the law. And there's no telling how long this man had been isolated from all human touch. He said, Jesus touched this man physically because he wanted to touch him. Wanted to let him know what it meant, felt to be touched again. And to let him know, I've overcome all the rules, all the rituals. This is about an intimate relationship with God now. He touched him. And he gave, he did that message, and it, and it spoke to me. And, and he gave a good altar call. He gave a good call to salvation. And he had everybody bow their head and close their eyes, which is typical. And he said, um, is anybody here that 
You don't know what your relationship is like with the Lord. And you want to know today that you, your sins are forgiven, that you have that right relationship with God, that you have that peace with God. I want you to raise your hand. Many of you have been here. You've, you've been in churches, and we do that here. There's nothing wrong with that. So God raises, apparently three people raised their hand because I had my eyes uh, bowed, my head bowed, my eyes closed too. And I heard the pastor say there's three people there. And then everybody looks up and he says, here's what I want to do. And he tells about the scripture where Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of my father, I'll, ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, for those three who raised your hand, he said, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I just want you to stand up. Just stand up. He said, everybody here, I think, or everybody else, I believe, is people of God. We just want to acknowledge you and recognize you. Somebody might want to speak to you. Just stand up. And so he said, one, two, three. Three. Nothing. Nothing. And we left. And listen, folks, I'm not being critical. Okay? I I believe God's word won't return void. I believe at some point, those people at that point recognized some spiritual need and they were willing at least to raise their hand and and acknowledge that they had a spiritual need. And I believe a seed was planted and I can only believe that somebody will water it and it'll... And we all mature. We all have to get out of our comfort zones. I've had to get out of mine. But we were leaving, and, and Tammy said, I just couldn't believe that they just didn't stand up. And so I wonder, do they know the, if, if it was genuine, do they know the exchange that took place? Do you understand that at the moment you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, that the holy God of heaven gave his son, he took your sin and gave you his righteousness. I think we just kind of let that fly. It's like, okay, that sounds good, but tell me about that scripture about how uh, a prosperous life and living abundantly and this and that. Okay, I know about that, but tell me about this other stuff. And that's for me too. I'm telling you, that's for me too. You know what I wondered? And I I can't prove this. I don't know this would have happened, but this is what I wondered. I wondered if that pastor said, okay, let me say this. We're so glad that you accepted the Lord today. Here's what we're going to do. Only for you three who raised your hand, and I know who they are, so nobody else can get up. When I say three, I want you to come up here, and the first person up here, I got $10,000 for you. What do you think would have happened? They'd have beat themselves to death getting up there. Now, I don't know that. I, I really don't. I was reluctant to even say it. But if they would, did they really understand? Do I really understand? Do you really understand the gravity of your sin, the gravity of salvation? I don't know. I don't know. But I couldn't help but think that when, 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 when they did that. Well, listen, church, we do believe in healing here. We believe God still heals, and we think He's concerned about all things of our life. And He has the power to change things in our lives. And we, but we, we simply have to trust Him. We simply have to trust Him. Isaiah... I skipped over a scripture, but I want to read Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. He will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. What's your mind stayed on? What you, what you focusing on? If you'll get your mind fixed on him, whether your circumstances change, whether you're healed, whether you're not, you get your mind fixed and stayed on him. And trust him, you'll have that peace.
God can heal. God does heal. In James 5, 14 through 16, James was the half-brother of Jesus. and He gave some very specific instructions to the church at that time. He said this. Is anyone sick among you? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. But then listen to what he said. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I just wanted to make sure that as we talk about physical healing, and it is part of the atonement. We prayed for juniors this morning. I'm going to say again, if you have a physical need, we're going to pray for you this afternoon. But what we're most concerned about, what God's most concerned about, what Bethel's most concerned about, Pastor Don, this church, is not your physical condition, but your spiritual condition. That's what we're most concerned about. Because whether or not, if Christ doesn't return, we all know one thing, we're not going to live forever. Our physical bodies are going to die. But our spirit man is going to live somewhere and live there eternally. Some of you know that uh, back in September, I had my first little physical scare. I've always, thank God I've always been healthy. I thank God for that. But I, somehow I ruptured a disc in my back and I've never experienced pain like that. And I had to have surgery. And I was afraid. I told you I'm a bit of a worry. I was scared to death. I've never been put to sleep. I don't know how many of you have never been put to sleep, but I've never been put to sleep. And if you've ever had surgery, you go see a doctor, no matter how minor the surgery is when they put you completely to sleep and intubate you and put a tube down you and breathe for you, the doctor says, listen, you know, you have to say this. There's a possibility you won't wake up. And I'm like, great. (laughs) So I'll probably be that about that much percent that don't wake up. But they have to say it, and I understand it. But, you know, the... the, the, um, Two things. One, there was a Sunday before that surgery. And I know that sometimes we can't get out. But I could walk. I could get up. You know, as long as, as, long as I had some, some medicine in me and, and laid on a high ice pack and got moving a little bit, I could move around a little bit. And, but wild horses wouldn't have kept me as long as I could get here from getting to Bethel Christian Center Sunday morning. Because I was going to come and do what the Bible said do. I was going to call on the elders of the church. I was going to stand up here, and I know you always will do that for me, and we'll do it for anyone who believes. And I want you to anoint my head with oil and pray over me and believe that God could heal me supernaturally. I believed it. Now, did it happen? It, not like I wanted it to. I wanted to get the supernatural healing and walk out of here and run around this church and let that pain be gone. It was excruciating pain. But that's not the way it happened. I had to go have be operated on But I'll tell you this, the night before the surgery, it was a Sunday, I think it was a Sunday night, I think it was a Monday, I don't know, but it was late. And Tammy had gone, she was take take her bath. It was about 9 o'clock at night. My surgery was very early. I had to get up like at 4.30 in the morning to be at hospital early. And I walked out onto my front porch. It was early September, it was a warm day. And I stood there. And I've never been more thankful that I serve a God, that salvation is His free gift. He was His free gift. Because Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9 reads this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Folks, it's 9 o'clock at night. I've got a 6 o'clock in the morning surgery. Some of you have been through some major surgeries. What could I do? If I wasn't saved at that point, what could I do? 
Am I going to run down to downtown Durham and try to feed somebody and preach to somebody and do something? What, what could I do? Nothing. But it's, it's not what I do. It's what he's done. And I stood there and I, I felt that like I've never felt it before. And I stood there with my hands up and I said, God, my life is in your hands. But it didn't come in your hands here because of this. It's always been in your hands. And if I'm one of those small few, that little bitty percentage that don't make it off that table, I'm going to stand in your presence forever. Okay? Because it's not, it's by His grace. My life is in your hands. My life is in His hands. And it was that moment that I really understood the gravity of my salvation. Because there's nothing I can do. And I think still at times, if we're not careful, when Paul was writing that to the church at Ephesus, he knew he knew how we are as people. You know, I actually Googled a, um, some of the religions where they have to work. They have to get out and do things. How sad that would be. They have to get out and try to outdo the next person. Oh, I got to do more than this person and I'm not going to make it. I got to do more than that person and I'm not going to make it. I don't, thank God I don't serve a God like that. Because it doesn't matter. When that thief was on the cross, there was two of them. One of them mocked Jesus and the other one said, Lord, have mercy on me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. There was nothing that thief could do. But Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. There was nothing I could do. One other uh, story I want to share with you about that. It, it's so important to be in fellowship. And it was... I had, for, for three or four days, I had ridden around in the back of my car. I couldn't sit. I had to lay. And Tammy had chauffeured me all over town, laying in the back seat of that Prius, because I had gone from doctor's appointments to here to pick up medicine. I was laid back in the back seat, and she was riding me around. We even went through the uh, bank, and the little teller was up there, and she looked over like, why is that man laying in the back seat? And I gave her the, so she would know that I won't hold Tammy at gunpoint, forcing her through the thing or something, but... But it's, it's, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning of my surgery, and I'm riding in. And um, I got a, I don't know if it was a text or if it was a notification on my Facebook page. I don't, I don't remember which. It doesn't really matter. But it said, it was this. It said, We're, I'm praying for you, Larry C. Smith. And it was from Kristen Ferrer. I never forgot it. Because at that moment, I knew that somebody at 5 o'clock in the morning out of my church had called my name before the Lord. And, you know, we think we got to go out and do grand things and do this and do that. And, you know, one thing I can tell you about my retirement thing is I've done, try to do in many last many years of police departments, just love people. Just let them know I care about them. If I find out something's going on in their life, just go share with them, talk with them. It matters. It mattered to me. I never forgot it. And I won't ever forget it. So it's important. Those type of things are so important. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Once again, church, the pit that he's redeemed you from, the pit that he's redeemed me from is the pit of hell. And I believe that's the first pit this is talking about. All through the Old Testament, the pit is referred to oftentimes as shoal, the grave, Revelation 21 through 3 reads like this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. 
He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and he set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. That's the pit I believe I've been redeemed from, first and foremost. But our lives can get in pits. After 28 years of law enforcement, I can tell you I've seen a lot of people's lives in the pit. I've seen people's lives in the pit of addictions. I've seen lives in, people's lives in the pit of poor family dynamics. And God's able to deliver us from those things as well. Paul, David writing in Psalms 42 through 3 said, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I don't know if your life's in the pit. We, I think many times when things are going well for us, we say, well, my life's not in the pit. But, you know, sometimes it's just the pit of the grind of life. I believe there's times in, in every person, every man or every woman's life when they say, is this what my life is all about? Is this what I'm supposed to do is get up and work every day? I ask how many of you work, and most, a lot of you. Am I supposed to go to work every day, come home, raise my family, and die? Is that it? I think everybody wants their life to be meaningful. And there are, nothing will make your life more meaningful than a relationship with Christ when you get clothed with that compassion and say, you know, I'm going to get out and make a difference in somebody else's life. I'm going to find somebody in need. I'm going to find something I can do that has eternal consequences or eternal effects. I'm going to find people. I, there, there is, and, our, and our society is in more need of that than it's ever been. And it will change your life. And I'm going to close briefly with this. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. There's a lot of good things, folks. It's so many times when we talk about relationship with the Lord, unfortunately, the first place people go is this list of do's and don'ts. I, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to be doing that. When I get an opportunity to witness with people, I don't go there with them. I don't go there at all. With I'm, not, I'm not going to change anyone. You're not going to change anyone. I can guarantee you that. And if I come at folks with that first, I'm going to lose them. Especially the men. And I, most of the people I've dealt with and try to have fellowship with has been men. I come at them like that, they're going to tell me to go jump in the lake. I know that. I know, I know what type of people they are. But I also know I can just tell them about who I am, about what Christ has done for me, live, try to live my life in what I believe. And it makes a difference in people's lives. It makes a difference in people's lives. I guess the main thing I wanted you to get out of this is if you're here today and you're not in right relationship with the Lord, if you're not in right relationship with God through Christ Jesus, I want that to happen for you today. I don't know what, hold, what tomorrow holds for you. And where are you going to spend eternity? I typically end, when I have conversations with folks, that way. And I end it hypothetical. I don't want them to answer the question. But I ask them, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? Because I believe your soul lives forever, somewhere. And I make them think about it. And I just say, listen, if you ever want to talk to me more about this, call me. Call me. And some do. Some do. Some call me and they want to have some more conversation about it. So that's what's important. Those, those benefits are important. And I thank God that they are for us today, church. They are. But most importantly, 
those benefits are for our, for our souls, for our spiritual conditions. I'm going to ask the praise team if they will to, uh, to come forward.